Welcome to the Kanoi Church Podcast. We're glad that you're interested in connecting through this teaching time. If you'd like to connect further, feel free to reach out to us through our website, kanoichurch.org. For now, enjoy this teaching from Kanoi Church, where our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So, my introduction has taken on different phases all this week, and what I want to tell you what this is not this morning. This is not a sermon on politics. But it may be a difficult message, because I want to tell you the first person that needed to hear it was me, and I've already heard it couple times in my head, and I want you to know that there's going to be parts of this that may be difficult for each of us. So just to make it a little bit fun, turn to the person next to you and tell them that their toes may hurt. But, and then just tell them it'll be okay, all right? So what I want to start out by saying is just telling you a little bit about myself. Um, some of you have known me all my life that are sitting out there, and, and others of you have no clue who I am. Um, so let's, let's make that a level playing field. I grew up here at Kanoi. Um, my family attended here. I was saved here, met Christ here in children's ministry in the late 60s at a Jack Yost revival service, and his wife held, had the children's ministry. And I accepted Christ as my Savior here, actually out there, down below. Um, my wife, Bobby, and I were married in that sanctuary out there. We have two children, a daughter named Samantha, and a son named Nick. You call him Pastor Nick. We just call him Nick. And we have two beautiful grandchildren. I've spent 30 years of my life as a paramedic in Lancaster and York counties, in which I've seen the best and the worst in people and in circumstances Bobby and I have also been small business owners for the last 30 years, since 1990. In 2000, I began classes at Moody Bible Institute, and in 2004, I was ordained. For the last 20 years, Bobby and I have volunteered with a ministry called Racers for Christ. And... That's why I have that shirt on this morning to represent what we do. And the picture that you're looking at right now is me praying with a driver before he straps into that dragster that's behind him. And I, can, I know him very well, and I can tell you that that's just before he's strapping in to do 270 miles an hour in a quarter mile in five seconds. A lot of what we do in this ministry is what Pastor Nick does in this community. 
we travel from Virginia to Maine in the season. And we travel with that same group of people. We pick up local competitors as we go, but it's the same community that we work with throughout. I have buried loved ones. I have married children. And I continue to uh, be their pastor. And it, it, was, it was a number of years into this that it really, when it hit me, when one of the competitors, while sharing something with me, he said, you realize, don't you, that you are our family's pastor. And that was when I began to own that fact, that I am their pastor. In 2016, I became a certified coach in business and leadership through John Maxwell. And some of you may know him, he's, or know of him, Reverend John C. Maxwell. And then in two, early 2017, I became the full-time senior franchise coach for Dreammaker Bath and Kitchen. So I don't share all that with you to try to impress you. I really am trying to share that with you so you understand who I am, the perspective that I bring to you today. Because quite honestly, I could give you other, 10 other things in my life that wouldn't impress you too much. I could tell you many things as our lives were riddled with crisis. They were riddled with disappointment and even sin that happens. Right, Jeff? You just gave a great testimony to that. That if it wasn't for grace and forgiveness, I wouldn't be standing here. And I want to tell you, if it wasn't for grace and forgiveness, you wouldn't be sitting there. Because we've all been given both. All these experiences in this ministry has given me a real uh, heart, a real desire to reach people outside the church walls. Um, Kyle, you shared last week of your youth ministry days and just the desire that you had to reach street kids. And you mentioned about a few F-bombs here and there. Um, and that's okay, because that's real. And I can tell you in the ministry... When I'm praying with drivers, sometimes as I walk away, before I'm even out of earshot, I'm hearing that fly just as much as amen happened when I was standing there. But you know what the difference is? I've had competitors tell me, Dale, you're the first person that's ever prayed with me. How sad is that? I can honestly tell you that I have prayed with more people at a racetrack than I've prayed with in church. And that is what God has called us to do. So it's through all these events, through the experiences of life, that we begin to see the world. Crisis, happiness, all that starts to make our view of how we see the world very different. 
We create a story in our minds about everything and about situations and about people and about what should be or shouldn't be. And today what I, what I hope I can show you and convince you is that I believe that lasting joy and lasting happiness can only be found through the transaction of grace and forgiveness. Happiness and joy happens with grace and forgiveness. Neither one will last without the other. So let me start the illustration by just having a little bit of fun with this. And you might start noticing something about me as I throw this out, these items out to you. So does it bother you when someone drives at or under the speed limit in the passing lane? How many are with me? Okay. You might see a theme here. A driver fails to use the turn signal. Okay, this one really isn't me, but a shopper has 15 items in the express lane of 10 items or less. <laughs> who's, who's there? Okay. He or she always interrupts me. Anybody? Okay. With my job, I, before COVID, I flew a lot to uh, locations, but starting to get back in that. But this is something that irritates me. A passenger in the airport shares their phone conversation with everyone. <laughs> and my personal favorite, and she's not, she can't say anything to me right now, and that is he or she constantly uses the brake pedal on the passenger side. See a, a theme? The, the fact is, when someone behaves in a way that we don't like or we don't appreciate, we call that a pet peeve. It's not a colossal divide or hostile rivalry or legal violation. It's a pet peeve. Now let's break that down. Pet is smallish, personal, individual. Peeve is quirk or peculiarity, a pet peeve. And to be honest, and I wear this shirt as an as a, uh, example, I'm most often bothered with these driving habits when I am on my way to a race. We typically leave Thursday night after we get done with work and drive to wherever we're going, Virginia to New Hampshire. And the race is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I have a motorhome and a trailer that has racers for Christ, bringing inspiration to the world of motorsports plastered all over it. And so I can't act like I want to act when somebody is going slow in the passing lane because I want to get there. I'm personally a fan of five, mi five miles an hour over the speed limit is safe. Now, it's not theologically sound, but I'm a fan of that. But as I'm trying to get around that slow individual that's 
doing 60 in the left lane. And I can tell myself so many stories in my head of what's wrong with them, why they even have a license. There must be something wrong with them. And as I drive up and I get beside them and I look over, they're just... (laughs) They're not bothered a bit. It seems in our environment today, we can let little things become big things. And right away, it snatches our joy, it snatches our happiness, and don't even talk to me about issuing grace at that point. Joy is such a precious commodity. So why do we squander it away so easily on a pet peeve, on a quibble, on what she wore today? He gets under my skin. She gets on my nerves. He's a pain in my neck. Whose skin? Whose nerves? Whose neck? Mine. Who's really suffering? Me. We all suffer if we allow each pet peeve or colossal divide make a withdrawal from our joy account. Now, I brought a prop with me. This is something that we have at the races, and it's full. Most of you wouldn't know or even care what they are, but they're called Zeus buttons. And on that picture, these are buttons are what keep the skin on that dragster from flying off when he's doing 270 mile an hour. These are all items that have been picked up off the track and they bring them to me. We put them in this bucket. We have free, please help yourself. And they sit at our pit area and the racers know that we have these buckets. There's all kinds of sizes and shapes in here and they're free to come get them if they need a couple fasteners. We give them out free. Some of us, right now, maybe this week, give away our joy like we're just tossing it out. We're letting everybody take joy out of our bucket for whatever reason. And we're just giving it up constantly. One more piece of joy to the point that if this represents what's in our joy account for the week, it may be gone. And then what? Then we don't have the joy and happiness. And we surely are not going to give grace and offer forgiveness if we don't have joy and happiness. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, 2, Be patient, bearing, with, bearing in love with one another. Problems, crisis, and irritants come with life, but they don't have to diminish our joy. And a phrase you're going to hear often this morning is, we can all benefit from a healthy dose of grace 
and forgiveness. Now, I have a video I'm going to show you here that is an illustration. Don't read too much into it from a theological standpoint, but it's a Geico commercial. How many of you enjoy the Geico commercials on TV? All right, so with that, Mike, show us the Geico. Huh? That, that wasn't there when I was here earlier. <laughs> really? You know, in Italy, they let you park anywhere. Have a good day, sir. With Geico, the savings keep on going, just like this sequel. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. that in mind, as an illustration, let me take you to Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 to 5. And this is where we're going to speak out of today. These are Jesus' words. And he said, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? And when all the time there is a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The words of Jesus in this passage demonstrates the need for extending grace to each other. John Corson, who is a Bible commentator, says this. I find it fascinating because the words of Jesus use imply that the speck or the splinter in my brother's eye is the same exact material as the beam in my own eye, only smaller in dimension. This is important. That's why I can spot certain sins in other people very easily because they're my sins. Jesus is not saying you shouldn't help your brother who has a splinter in his eye, but instead, he is saying to make sure you recognize and deal with the beam in your own eye first. That's probably the same thing. So in, in my work as a, as a business coach and leadership coach, um, we do what's called peer groups, and uh, it's... We call it next level groups, where it's trying to get businesses to their next level. And typically that means revenue, but it's also maturity, it's development, and so on. So I get to facilitate these groups, and it's generally about six to eight business owners who we fly into one of the locations that that business is, and for Three days, we rip it apart. We look at financials, we look at marketing, we interview their employees, we interview spouses. And then we put it all back together and make um, suggestions and help them make things better. And I will tell you, there's always a surprise. There are always things that you don't expect to see because 
we're pulling the curtain back behind everything and we're getting to go a couple layers in to the point that sometimes I've sat with a husband or a wife and they just pour out how they're feeling that this isn't the life they expected and the family is suffering and and, and everything and um, it takes some real hard conversations but I want to tell you just briefly about one I just came back from the other week I was in Huntsville, Alabama and there wasn't anything you know tremendously uh, surprising but one of the things that was difficult that we felt was going to be difficult as a group to present to the owners um, one of our group members and, and this is the same group. They travel to each other's places. So there's, there's a bond here. There's trust. So I want you to understand that. There's trust among these men and women. And as it goes, I usually get the hard ones to talk about when we do the presentation. Um, but in this case, one of the other members said, you know what? I want to do this. I want to present this topic to the owners because... I've been there. I, I remember I was there. And I can speak to that. I can speak to that of what they need to avoid because it happened to me and I failed. And I said, you know what? I, I, you're the perfect one to do it. And when that time came to present that, he, un, and, and this, this gentleman's a, a pretty... Uh, high, I would, we call it a high D personality, type A personality, um, very, very much a go-getter. And he was as gentle and understanding and caring in his delivery of what we found. And the owners heard it. They knew his experience. So, Jeff, your experience of what you've talked about when you talk to people out there, just as you did, they know you're being truthful because it's your experience. You can speak to that. And as I wrapped that meeting up after three and a half days, I just thought, man, if we could do that as followers of Christ, not business owners, but followers of Christ, as believers, if we could reach into people's lives, each other's lives, that there was that trust, there was that grace, and there was no that we're going to, there's forgiveness there that we can speak into our lives to each other like that. If you think the world needs more tolerance, then be more tolerant. Just you being more tolerant will be, give the world more tolerance. If you wish people would stop complaining, then stop complaining, and the world will be one less whiner out there. You know what I found? Complaining is contagious. If you start complaining, I guarantee you'll find somebody else that will join you. If nobody gives a hoot about the poor and underprivileged, the hoot level will rise with your 
actions and your passion, just like feeding the seniors at Whistle Stop. That was something that Stacy said, this isn't right, and I want to do something about it. That, and I don't know, but maybe she thought one time she'll do something about it. And then the whole church got involved, right? And it continues. So there are some poor and underprivileged people, not as poor and underprivileged because Stacy gave a hoot, and so did Kanoi Church. Now what if more did that? Jesus said, if you want to change the world, begin with yourself. Before you point out the speck in the eyes of the others, make sure you're not swinging a red oak from your own eye. John Maxwell says, our most difficult person to lead is often ourselves. The reality is everything in life can either subtract value or add value to each of us in our life. And we really, it's up to us to choose what we allow into our lives. We choose who or what we listen to every day. We choose who we hang out with in our leisure time and who gets to speak into our lives. The reality is we each choose who we will be every single day. So this spring, you know, it's no secret that COVID is here, right? So we were deemed as an unnecessary business in March and we had to close our business and we were closed for six weeks. So in my other job, Bobby pretty much takes care of our business because I'm working for our corporate side as, as a senior coach. So I was tasked with making sure that our 35 locations are all doing okay through this, that I really didn't have any energy whatsoever to look at my own business here. For six weeks, I'm going to tell you, I was married to the media. For six weeks, I had to know what was going on, what's the latest, what's the, the, uh, the task force saying each night, are we going to get to open up, etc. And, and I'm going to admit to you, I allowed that to rob my joy. I allowed it to suck the life right out of me. When we went back to work and we reopened six weeks later, I put myself on a media diet. It is amazing after just one week of my media diet how much better I felt. I'm not telling you I completely cut it out because I can't. I mean, it's a part of life and I have responsibilities, but a diet, you know, proportions. Um, so I just challenge you. What are you listening to? And how much do you allow it to rule your life?
I think there is a time to speak up, to advocate, to voice our opinions. And if you know me, you know I have them. But what I want to tell you is we need to check our motives before we do. And I want to tell you this is where God checked me this week. This is where God has been speaking to me personally when I said, I had to hear this first. And I'm not afraid to admit, pretty much every sermon I prepare throughout our season, it ends up speaking to me first. I find that, okay, that's an area I got to really work at. But as followers of Jesus, not fans, right? We learned that. Followers of Jesus, we need to help, never hurt, no matter what the opinions are. So, do we carry a bucket of water or a can of gas into the conversation? So, again, in a leadership role, something happened that had to make some tough decisions this year. And um, somebody made some not-so-nice comments on Facebook about the decisions. And somebody else said to me at a race, did you see what they posted? And I said, nope. Oh, you probably ought to look at it. I think they took it down. I thought maybe you'd talk to him. I said, nope. Haven't talked to him. I said, here's how I look at it. Do I want to bring a can of gas or a bucket of water? Anything I say right now will just be gas. So I choose to be silent. Now, I'm not going to tell you that's always easy. I'm not always very good at being silent. But I think as followers of Christ, we need to really be aware of how we are acting and having conversations, dialogues with people. Max Lucado says this, and I, I actually, this was so profound to me um, probably a year ago. I have it printed out, and I have it on my desk that I work from, um, just to remind me, and that is, look at yourself before you look down on others. Rather than put them in their place, put yourself in their place. So in my coaching of business, that becomes really important because I can get really frustrated. Look, we went over this last month, and why didn't you do it? What's keeping you from doing it? But if, I, if I'm gracious... And I look at and put myself in their place because of the lens that they're viewing things through, the experiences that they've had through life, they see it differently than I do. And so with a little grace and forgiveness, I can speak into their life again. The truth is, we all drop the ball and fail on occasion. And most days, we just need to cut each other some slack.
Another word for slack, maybe? Grace. Aren't you glad Jesus cut us some slack? So next year, Bobby and I will be married 40 years. Early on in our marriage, we agreed that I would only I would take care of the big decisions, right? I mean, like, I'm I'm the man. I'll I'll take care of the big decisions. We just never had any big decisions to make. Come on. I I say that in jest because overall we've made decisions together, but, you know, sometimes decisions and the level of importance is all, all in our perspective of those decisions. You know, when, when I was a medic and Roger, Roger was a medic years back too, you know, we would often talk about, is it life-threatening? Is this a life-threatening issue or not? And I will often tell people, I know what life-threatening looks like, and this ain't it. So let's take it down a notch, and let's talk about it. And that would be, I think, what we could really learn from right now. I am a detailed person by nature, and I often advocate that the devil, or, devil is in the details. And that bent serves me well in my job, but for our topic today, I can tell you that I have been guilty of letting the de- de- details be my primary source of happiness and joy, and when the details weren't there, I was not a happy joyful person. So in other words, just that little bit kicked my bucket over, spilled my joy all over the place, right? And now I don't have any. So my challenge to you, to us, is will we allow whatever is going on in our life, and that could be current events, it could be family, it could be holidays, it could be tragedy, because we all have experienced tragedy. If you live long enough, you will experience tragedy. You will experience crisis. Do we allow any of it to dump our bucket of joy? Ephesians 4.31, Paul says, and this may be where the toes get a little sore, get rid of all bitterness Rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Ouch. I'm going to read that again. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Folks, I don't have that figured out. And if we interact this week, you may catch me failing at that. But this is what Paul is writing. This is what he's writing to the church in Ephesus. 
This is what he's writing meant for us, is this is where we need to get, this is where we need to put our minds, that we get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, slander, and so on. Bitterness may uh, come in many forms, has many sources. Absentee or abusive parent, we can't forgive. A nasty divorce, we keep reliving. The careless words of a friend, a boss who passed us up for a promotion. So what's the answer? Forgive before the problems become embedded in our emotion and starts feeding off our memories. That's what creates the picture, the movies that go in our mind. So we all have tapes that play in the back of our heads every day, all day, that tell us why we should believe this way and why that person is this and this person is that and this situation should be. It's all these tapes that play in our head from our experiences. Paul's just saying, let's make a clean break. Forgive one another as quickly as possible as Christ forgave you. The sooner you do it, the better. Harboring business, harboring bitterness won't change the other person or group. But it will change you. I've been guilty of that, of harboring bitterness. And you know who suffered? Me. The heaviest thing you will ever carry is a grudge. It will make you a misery to be around because your driving desire will be to see the guilty party punished, especially when you or someone you love is the perceived victim. So in five words, get rid of the bitterness so that we can get our joy back into our bucket and experience happiness and be able to offer grace and forgiveness. We all benefit from that transaction of grace and forgiveness. So in the next few weeks, we will be tested. A driver will forget to use their turn signal properly. A passenger on the airplane will talk too loudly. There will be that shopper with 15 items in the express line And we will be interrupted in mid-sentence. Worst of all, giant could be out of toilet paper one more time. (laughs) And someone will drive under the speed limit in the left lane. What then will we do? Can we hold tight to our bucket of joy and say, you know what, I'm not giving it up. I'm not giving you one piece of my joy because it's okay. It'll be all right. No pet peeve or circumstance is worth giving up or surrendering surrendering our joy. So here's the challenge I want to leave you with this morning. And I think this is probably one of our biggest opportunities as a church And I don't mean just Kunoi, I mean the church in America. 
and as followers of Christ, not fans, but followers of Christ. Can we all begin with the perspective that we are sinners saved by grace? Can we begin there? Any conversation in our minds or out loud, can we begin that with that perspective? You know, I want to be heard. I want people to hear what I think. My perspective matters. But I also believe that everyone is right from their own perspective. Your perspective is based on your life experiences just as mine is as well. The things that I saw in a career of being a paramedic, most people don't see. But that has been part of what shapes who I am and shapes my perspective. And each of you have unique experiences in life that gives you a perspective that is all yours and it needs to be heard and it is your perspective can we begin a conversation and discussion to bring change first from the perspective that i am a follower of christ and i am working daily to be more like him if we start with that we have common ground to talk and discuss and begin whatever healing needs to take place in our life. As followers of Jesus, people all around us are watching you and me, probably more now than ever. Before they experience any part of Jesus, they experience us. They experience me on my good days and on my bad days. Now, when I'm at a race event, and I'm serving as chaplain, this is how I dress. All the, all the days, as I'm out and about, I'm in the staging lanes, if there's a crash on the track, I'm, they want me out there to work with the family, the crew, if they try to have to extricate the driver, I'm with the family while they do that. But I have Racers for Christ plastered on my back that when I'm not looking, People behind me see who I represent and how I'm acting. And I've often, and it makes me conscious of that, right? I mean, like, I'm wearing it, so how I conduct myself, what I say, all that has great uh, ripple effect in that community that I serve. We're the same way here. When we leave here and we're at our workplace, we're hanging out, we're doing whatever, imagine if you have Jesus Christ blasted upon on your back. How would it change your behavior? How would it change the words that you use or the conversations that you begin? If you enjoy my presence, you might want to know more about Jesus. If I suck the life out of the room during most interactions, will anyone be interested in Jesus? No. Do I offer those around me grace and forgiveness? Do I bring joy and happiness to a relationship, or do I just dump the bucket of fasteners out most of the time? 
The sooner we can find beauty in the world and people around us, the more joyful we will be and the more the world will want to meet Jesus. And that's got to be our priority, folks. And I, I'm telling you, I had, to, I had to preach this message to myself multiple times in recent weeks. When, when Nick asked me about having a message today, and then he said, I know it's probably early, but do you know what topic you want to preach on? And I said, well, since you gave me the first Sunday after the election, why don't we talk about grace and forgiveness? Because we'll probably all need it. And that was my comment. Little did I know back then how much I would need it coming up to this Sunday. So I'm not up here telling you I got it all figured out or watch me and follow my lead. I'm saying I'm on this journey together with you and as a follower of Christ, we need to get this better. We need to get it right as we go forward and really shine Jesus. Because folks, no matter what, God is still on the throne. Jesus Christ is still our savior. He saved us by grace. Not anything that we've done. So let's just get over ourselves. That I have these accomplishments, or I've done this, or I deserve better. We are sinners saved by grace. It is an even playing field at the base of the cross. No matter what. That, my friends, has to be our mission. Let me pray with you. Hi, this is Pastor Nick. Thanks for listening. I hope something that you heard today was very helpful. If you want to connect with us further, feel free to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, kanoichurch.org. Sure, I'm glad we're in this together. Thank you.